1: troubling report out from the Canadian Institute for Health Information today. Um, The headline reads, hospitalizations for eating disorders among young women jumped by more than 50% during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, They've gone through the data and they say that the pandemic took a significant toll on the mental health of children and youth. Hospitalizations for young women with eating disorders aged 10 to 17 went up by nearly 60% since March of 2020, which is an increase of about 52 hospitalizations per 100,000 people in 2019-2020 to 82 hospitalizations in 2020-2021. And it's in contrast to the general decrease in hospitalizations and emergency department visits for most other conditions among the rest of the population in Canada. Uh, Troubling, troubling. So let's see what it translates to here in Alberta. What are we seeing? We're going to chat now with Angie Mellon, who is the Public Awareness Coordinator for Eating Disorder Support Network of Alberta. Angie, thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I mean, those numbers come on a national level. Are you seeing similar kinds of increases in the number of um, Alberta adolescents seeking medical attention for eating disorders during the pandemic?
0: So we actually have noticed an increase in people seeking uh, hospitalizations in the province. And particularly for uh, our organization, the Eating Disorders Support Network of Alberta, we have been seeing a whole lot of more people coming to our groups. Our groups are now consistently full. And we also have wait lists for a lot of groups that start even before the group has been posted. So we know people
1: are really looking for resources in the province. Um, I imagine it's a question that if if you had the answer, we wouldn't have this problem. But why why do you think we're seeing such a, a massive increase? I mean, what what kind of indicators are out there that's uh, you th- has you saying you know this this might be why we're seeing so many more people?
0: Yeah, so eating disorders are really a multifaceted issue. They result from a number of factors, including genetics and environment. But what we are seeing is really that isolation part, um, especially for kids schooling from home, having to quarantine, having to isolate, that really can be a driving factor in the development of eating disorders. Also, the lack of structure. I mean, kids having now to work and do schooling from home, they miss that sort of schooling layout where they have recess, they have lunchtime, that sort of stuff. And then there's also a heightened anxiety. I mean, for yeah. anyone, this uh, pandemic is makes anyone anxious. So for, especially for kids, they can feel that. And so eating disorders really thrive in secrecy because there's a whole lot of shame. There's a lack of information. There's fear going into it. So really all this compounds into
1: kind of a melting pot that really makes eating disorders uh, more likely. Angie, help me out. Is, would it be fair to say that an eating disorder in a young person could be a symptom of some of the things that you mentioned, the anxiety, the isolation, the overall mental health um, hardship that people have been through, could that be uh, a contributing factor to why an eating disorder is developed, or is it—is there a specific reason, or can it just be, uh, that's one way that young people respond to mental health crises?
0: Yeah, so... Uh, especially with the heightened anxiety, uh, people might be looking for a sense of control. And one way they can do that is through their food intake. So that definitely can uh, be a contributing factor to why we're seeing the increase in eating disorders. But But once again, like eating disorders and other mental health concerns such as depression and anxiety, they can happen at the same time, but they can also arise because of one another. So maybe someone has an eating disorder, they could then be diagnosed with anxiety or depression, but also if someone has anxiety or depression, that could lead to the development of an eating disorder.
1: Um, You know, now with the pandemic being what it is, and most kids are back in school and life has returned to whatever normal is going to look like, do you anticipate that some of these situations that developed over the course of the last two years can be corrected? I mean, there's going to be lasting hardship because of some of this, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, we're
0: probably going to see the effects of this for years to come, especially since uh, eating disorders take years uh, to recover from. On average, it takes about seven years to recover from an eating disorder. And even in that process, you might have relapses. And uh, throughout the journey, recovery isn't linear. So unfortunately, these problems are going
1: to have a long-lasting effect. Um. Going to the hospital, going to the emergency department sounds like that's a, that's a pretty desperate point in the progress of this condition, Angie. Um, if you're a parent or a young person out there listening to this and you think this may be something that's starting and developing, and uh, what, what's the best course of action? I mean, what do you do?
0: Uh, well, early intervention is really the best thing for uh, eating disorder recovery and prevention. So when you're starting to see those signs that someone might be slipping, like isolating uh, changes in weight, changes in mood, that sort of stuff, it might be a good idea to have a conversation with that person. And if you decide that it it's something that is maybe a problem needing to look into, we always recommend starting with your uh, GP or your mm-hmm. uh, primary care network, just because those people can then refer you to those higher services, such as the Edmonton Eating Disorders Program or the Calgary Eating Disorders Program, or even get you in contact with some private care providers.
1: So basically, like with all so many of these conditions, ask for help, right? It is available. Yes.
0: Yes, definitely. And if you need anything, our organization is always willing to help direct people in the right way to go and uh, give people resources on who to contact. And you can always email us at info at etsna.ca. And we are definitely quick
1: on getting back to those people. Angie, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That is Angie Mellon. Uh, we appreciate her joining us. Angie, uh talking about this study that came out from the uh, Canadian Institute of Health and Information. Troubling, troubling findings, for sure. Um, but we know, and we've known from the beginning, that um, these kinds of, um, you know, it's it's just a response to the, the pandemic. It's going to affect different people different ways. And we know that the stress on mental health has been really, really tough. I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the air over time, but um, there's a survey that came out earlier this week talking to Canadians about, you know, what this pandemic has done to us. And as I've told you, the pandemic will be long gone and the damage that was done to society will linger and will last much, much longer. That's going to be the real thing for us to deal with once the virus itself does whatever it does. Um, there's a new poll out. It's by the Canadian Mental Health Association and UBC. It finds that 13% of Canadians are showing empathy, down More than 10% from before the pandemic. It's called pandemic fatigue. And these researchers say it could be contributing to this crisis that we're seeing in mental health.
0: At the beginning of the pandemic, there was a sense of wanting to work together to listen, but as the weeks and months went on... People did become a bit more polarized with each other. Margaret Eaton is the CEO of CMHA and says people just stopped listening to one another. That ability to understand how another person is feeling, to think about what their perspective is, and to really feel that and try to understand it. The answer? Just listen, be quiet, and, you know, let them explain how they're feeling. Which may seem overly simplistic, but when you think that the same survey shows nearly four in 10 felt like their mental health had gotten worse through the pandemic, it might be worth lending a non-judgmental ear to someone. Dave Woodard, Global
1: News. Sure, Dave. We'll get right on that. He's right, of course. Um, You know, (laughs) we've entered a phase in uh, human history where we just yell at each other and point fingers. Um, The survey shows nearly four in 10 people feel like their mental health It's gotten worse through the pandemic. Four in 10. That line jumped out at me.